Hi, Shepherd. Welcome back to Digital Worship. I'm Pastor John Corollis, one of the associate pastors here at Shepherd of the Desert. And as we continue in our series, Echoes of Faith, looking at the heritage of hymns and the history of the church, recognizing that God has used many ways in which to communicate His promises to His people throughout, throughout time, throughout history, and especially over the last few hundred years, probably the era before the church that we find ourselves in today with modern music, with full band arrangements, there was pretty much one instrument in the church. It was the organ, especially the Western church. And the organ and hymns were the ways in which God remembered his promises, where they communicated his word to each other. So today we'll be looking at another one of those hymns and seeing how it is an expression of God's love. You and I each um, have a temptation before us in life. And it's the temptation to think that based on our own talents or our own skills, the work that we have done in life, we have reason to think we are secure. We have reason to think we are valuable. We think that because of the things we've done, because of who we are, we matter in life. It's something that we really want. We're always questioning, am I enough? Am I doing enough? Have I earned enough uh, friendships? Have I shown myself to be valuable? Have I contributed enough to society? And maybe as we go through life, we start to ask that question with more urgency. Did I make a difference? Did I do enough? Did I show enough people that I mattered? Is my name on the side of a building or do I have a sandwich named after me at a at a famous restaurant? These are the kind of questions we ask ourselves at times as we begin to wonder whether we have value or not. And in life, when we face challenges, when we face circumstances that cause us to question those core things that we value about ourselves, we start to look even more inward. We want to know, am I at my core someone worthwhile? Are my relationships one that I can count on? And the truth is, ultimately, no. Um, Sadly, we are struck with sin. We are broken. We are corrupt. Time and time again, when we are face-to-face with the pressure, we crumble. Our uh, Our own choices, our own actions, our own histories, they have a way at getting at us. And we become, just like everybody else in life, we have failed. We have failures. We have things that will fail in the future. And you might think, wow, Pastor John, thanks for coming into the studio and telling me how bad I am. Well, I just want to be honest with you. (laughs) I'm bad too. We all are broken. So what do we do? What do we do about the fact that in this life, we are not enough to count on for ourselves? There are a number of options in front of us and different coping mechanisms exist out in the world. We may turn to chase other people's approval. And if we fall into that line of thinking and constantly chasing approval, eventually we are going to be let down by the fact that either the approval from the people we seek is coming from people just as broken as us, or we're never going to meet up to the needs and the expectations that the world places on us. Another option, and this one is admittedly quite harmful, would be chasing after an escape, maybe a substance or some kind of activity that gets us away from the problems that we face. Ultimately, this denial is not only harmful, it's destructive. It eats away at us. And we see people whose lives have fallen into different addictions and how it tears them apart, how it changes who they are, how it leads them away from the truths that they once held dear. So then the question is, where else is there to turn? But there is someone who has been waiting before maybe even the question came across our hearts. There is someone who has offered a promise of truth that holds up even to the greatest examples of failure in our lives. And that is the truth of God and His love for us. 
Whether it's something that we have to learn the hard way or something that we are introduced to earlier on in life, God's promises stand true day in and day out. We're going to hear from the Apostle Paul as he speaks to the people in Philippi, telling them it's not worth it to rely on yourself. But instead, there's only one place you can go when everything else falls apart. From Philippians chapter 3. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal or enthusiasm, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss because of the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and my share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul lays before, this, uh, before the people of Philippi this situation. Um, he, he's explaining that his own earthly life is probably more faithful, more impressive than anybody else's that they're connected to. And that may seem like a grand claim, like kind of an arrogant thing for him to say. But he says, well, measure it, measure it. Take, take a look, see if it holds water. I'm someone who from the very beginning, from the eighth day of his life was following the commandments of God. He goes on to say that as far as following the law that God gave to his people, he was extremely obedient. He was enthusiastic for doing what God called him to do. He even was so in on the law of God that when the Christian church arose, he refused to believe that it could be the truth. And then... When Christ came into his life, when he was literally knocked off of his feet, off of the horse he was riding and blinded by the glory of God, that's when it became clear. It's not about what you do. It's not about how well you do it. It's not about whether you're obedient enough for a relationship with God. No, it's all instead what he has done for you. And this is, this is challenging. This is hard for us because we live in a world that rewards our good work. We live in a world that rewards our, our, our accomplishments, that rewards our good behavior, that rewards us for being good people. And so we're kind of set up to think, as long as I do the right thing and do enough, things are going to work out for me. I'm going to know happiness. I'm going to have a good relationship with my family. I'm going to be living the life that most people want. And sometimes it even slips into our spiritual life as well. Well, if... if I'm a good enough person, then I know God loves me. If I live a good enough life, then I know I'll make it into heaven. As long as I try and be a good person, then I'm going to have an eternity where I know God. But instead, Paul flips this all on his head and says, no matter how good you think you are, take it from me. I'm as good as it gets. It's nothing. It's rubbish. It's garbage. It's worth being thrown away compared to... And what does he say? Not compared to the perfection I've found after meeting Jesus. Not compared to the happiness I've found in my earthly relationships. No, simply the relationship of knowing 
God. See, in our sin, we're separated from him. We're we're distanced from the God that made us. We have no way of getting there on our own and knowing him. No, we need to be met where we're at. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He comes into the world and meets us in that place where we have no reason to think that we should have a relationship with God. But because of Jesus and his perfection and his love for us, he opens to us the door of knowing God. It's his works that count. It's not our own. When we're tempted into thinking that we are doing enough, when we're tempted into thinking that because we can't do enough, we should go somewhere else for our therapy, for our, for our needs, for our denial, for our escape, Christ Jesus comes right into our lives at that moment and says, no, you can have a relationship with me and I will show you God the Father who made you, who loves you, who will carry you through this life, the ups and downs. He is with you. It's, your, it's, it's, it's his works that we rely on, not our own past, not our own accomplishments, not our own behavior. Jesus' works are those that give us hope and confidence. Last week, we talked about Psalm 25 and how David asked God to remember his faithfulness. God's faithfulness was proven to us in this, the perfection of Jesus Christ and the gift of a relationship with him through his death and resurrection. Paul reminds the people of Philippi, nothing in this life matters because I'm thinking about the life that is to come. I'm thinking about the resurrection of the dead. Nothing in this life compares to that kind of joy, to that kind of life with God forever. How do we get it? How do we get there? We know we want it. It's not through what we do. It's not through how good of a Christian we are even. It's not how well we treat our neighbors. No, instead, it's simply believing in the promise of Jesus and putting our trust in his actions. There's a hymn that is from a couple hundred years ago, which I know sounds like, okay, why are we dusting off the book? Haven't we passed this over? But no, it's called Thy Works or Your Works, Not Mine, O Christ. And it's a beautiful picture of how we should have an attitude embracing Jesus' actions rather than relying on our own. It goes like this, and excuse the the these and thys, I'm just going to kind of translate that in real time so we can understand what's being said. Your works, not mine, O Christ, speak gladness to my heart. They tell me everything is finished. They, they, they send my fear away. They bid my fear depart. Your wounds, not mine, O Christ, can heal my bruised soul. Your stripes, not mine, contain the balm, the healing uh, ointment, the, the lotion that makes me whole. Christ's sufferings heal the the damage that we face in this life. The fact that he has scars, his hands have holes in them from the nails that his own people put him on the cross with. Show us that we can be healed through his wounds. Our sufferings in this life, he has been through. And he promises a healing and a life that will not be painful. Your death, not mine, O Christ, has paid the ransom due. 10,000 of my deaths would have been all too few. We can't pay for the cost that it takes for us to know our God, but Christ's death covers the cost. Therefore, his righteousness, your righteousness, O Christ, alone covers me. No righteousness avails, no righteousness rescues, except that which is of thee, that which is yours. To whom except you... O Lord, can, can alone atone for sin. Who can pay the price for our brokenness, for our corruption? No one. Where else can we flee to except to Christ alone? 
this hymn that has some of that old-fashioned language that maybe has a little bit of a cheesy rhyme structure to it captures the beauty of this promise of God. Our actions, even our deaths, are meaningless. But Christ's actions are given to you and I, and they have eternal, inestimable, unfathomable value and worth. And they're ours because he has met us and knows us and welcomes us into his family. Let that be your assurance. Let that be the thing that carries you through as you are tempted to think, you know, am I enough? You're not, and I'm not. But Christ says you're mine, and he is more than enough. I hope you have a great week as we continue in our journey through these passages of Scripture, through looking at these hymns together, and understand how God has great gifts and truth and encouragement for us, even in things that maybe we haven't heard or hummed or sang for a very, very long time. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.